Father, today we are looking into, into Romans uh, chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and we want to learn how to love others well. And Father, we want to learn from you because you are the lover of our souls. You are the one who loves us the most. You are the one who, who loves us the best. And we want to learn from you. We want to sit at your feet. We want to know uh, and even allow our hearts to be challenged by you um, so that we can say, Lord, really to love to such an extent, even at my own expense, Lord, we just want to open up our hearts. Lord, we know that when we do, we are vulnerable um, uh, to you, for you to come in and shape, for you to come in and shift. So Father, allow, uh, 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 allow us into this tangible moment where you can shape us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So today we want to look at, at um, an aspect of the kingdom of God. We are in, this year we are in kingdom of God uh, preaching. We want to understand what it means for us to, to take what the Lord has placed before us and that, and that is to establish on earth that which he has already decreed and enacted in heaven. And so, one of the things about the kingdom of God is that we love others well, okay? We don't just make attempts to love one another, we give it our best shot. And how do we, and why do we do this? Because sometime in the course of Jesus' ministry, they were, the, his disciples asked him, what is the most important thing, right? Out of all the laws, out of all the so-called rules, out of all the so-called commandments that have been given to us, what's the most important thing? Jesus said, the most important two things, love your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. In other words, love God with everything you are. And then the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there are three parts. There's loving God, there's loving your neighbor, and there's loving yourself. And all of these things come out of God's love for you. And some years later, after Jesus said that, um, the Apostle Paul would repeat those same words in a letter written to the church in Rome. So I want to show you uh, um, the words that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, right? And this is, you can find it in Romans chapter 13. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to swing by to your own Bibles. And, and yep, that's good, that's good. Um, and, and if you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to have them, okay? And we're going to be looking from Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, uh, not reading everything, but we're going to take snatches from that. Now, I'll give you a bit of context to this verse. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Rome and he says this to them, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so a little bit of context, the church in Rome was a very a culturally diverse church. So you had Jews, Okay, who had converted to Christianity in the church in Rome. You had 
non-Jews, from Romans, you could say, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, um, Italians, if you might even say it, right? There's kind of like a modern uh, uh, thinking already. Um, people who are not from that background and so, you know, Rome was like the center of the Western world at the time. So lots of people migrated to Rome. So you, it was a melting pot of different people with different cultures, different expectations, different do's and don'ts. I think that's very important. Lots of people with different do's and don'ts all coming together. And guess what? When you put such diverse people together and you throw them into an arena where, some, where there is an expectation to be spiritual, right? Let me say that again. You take a diverse group of people, a bit like us, right? And then you give them an expectation to be more spiritual. Over time, you're bound to have some people say, hey, why you do things like that? That one is not good. Don't do like that. And then another person say, why you tell me like that? Why you so like that? You know, you are the one who's not spiritual. And on and on it goes. Okay, so the church in Rome was experiencing tensions between the customs of the Jewish uh, Christians and the customs of the non-Jewish Christians. And it wasn't just the two of them, like two tidy groups. Lots of the people in the church in Rome were, were going through what it means to be Christians and what it means to bring my original cultures, my original old expectations into this new faith that I have. And so a, 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 a squabble erupted over the issue of drinking and eating. What can you eat? What can you not eat? What are some things haram to eat? What are some things that is so-called halal to eat, right? And then there was argument. And then there are some things you cannot, cannot drink. And then there are some days that you should observe. And then other people say no need to observe all these days, right? I grew up in a, in a Hokkien uh, uh, culture where, where we will sell, where all my aunties and all that will observe Tsui uh, Eat right? First day, 15th day, right? First day, 15th day um, and of the Chinese calendar. Some people consider some of these things important and others not. Now, now we are talking about a Christian environment with Jewish feasts, Jewish celebrations or not. And that's the milieu we find ourselves in. And into this, Paul is saying the kingdom of God is not about all this things. So he's almost going to say something very radical. I'll show it to you bit by bit. But he's saying that all of this, oh, eat lah, what you dress, dress lah, Chinese New Year, cannot wear black. How many of y'all, y'all come from that kind of family? Chinese New Year cannot wear black. Chinese New Year cannot wear white. All this funeral colour. Some, sometimes you say, blue also cannot. These grandchildren wear a funeral and cannot wear, you know. Um, and then, it's true, right? And then all, all you have to wear is uh, what, what? And ang ang, and uh, or yellow because it's gold and prosperous, right? Um, how many of you all come from that kind of background? You can say in the chat if it, if you grew up with restrictions on what to wear during Chinese New Year. Why don't you say it in the chat? What were you restricted from wearing during Chinese New Year? Right? You can say that now. It's not just clothing, okay? Um, it is also sometimes what we can and cannot eat. Right? And sometimes we have certain dietary preferences or lifestyle decisions and we look across the room and we say that, wow, why those fellas eat like this and why they eat like that? So I grew up, I don't know if you all know, probably most of you don't know this about me. I wasn't always a Christian um, and I grew up 
a vegetarian, okay? I made a voluntary decision at 11, 11 years old to be a, to, to be a, to be a vegetarian, standard five. And I remember Hari Sukan, I gave away my KFC to my friend, right? Um, and so um, uh, I, I was a vegetarian from 11 to 24, about that. And I remember hearing people make snide comments about me being a vegetarian, right? And yeah, why did you like this? Yeah, so this is this, this, right? And I remember in my own mind and in my own heart, okay, didn't always say it aloud, um, but making judgy comments about what they ate as well. And so I, I'm equally guilty of that. How many of you guys, you grew up with some kind of eating restrictions? You want to say in the chat, right? For me, um, um, I grew up vegetarian and I obviously had that. Some of you, uh, um, it might be a matter of, and maybe we'll strike just a little closer to home, right? Um, drinking, alcohol. Maybe you grew up in a Christian environment that told you that drinking is absolutely never allowed. And I know Christians who hold that line. I also know Christians who say, no, Jesus drank wine, you know, the, and, and the commandment says, don't get drunk, not don't drink alcohol. And then some of you are like, oh my gosh, we're going, we're skirting into really uh, 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 potentially flammable, because alcohol is flammable, a flammable territory here, right? Um, not, are you sure you want to go there? And then some of you might say that, wow, why stop at eating and drinking alcohol or whatever, why not, why not talk about tattoos, right? Because I've heard someone say before that Christians should not have tattoos, you know? And, and then, and they say, where, where it say that? Oh, it says in Leviticus, there is a chapter that says that Christians should not make markings on their skin. They say, okay, but that same chapter says that Christians should not have piercings. You know, uh, people, y y people of Yahweh should not have piercings. But you and I know that uh, it's common for girls in Malaysian culture to have ear piercings. And then it's common for, I'm sure, Indian Christians, you know, in India, uh, um, or to, to have nose piercings, right? And so, so how? Does, if you, can you take one and not the other? Can you pick and choose? And, and do these things apply, you know? So, so as you go even a step closer and a step closer uh, or a step forward, you realize that we'll start gonna, we'll start we're starting to swim in waters that though it appeared black and white a very far distance away, the closer you get to it, the more grey it appears. And how do we navigate some of these disputed secondary issues? Now, I say secondary issues. It's very important we know that these are secondary issues. They are not sin issues, okay? So, so we are not talking about, about infidelity. We're not talking about drunkenness and orgies. We're not talking about lying, which is, a, which is which untruth is, a, okay, lying, yeah. Where, where do we go with lying, right? Uh, uh, if you read the, the book of Joshua, you're going to realize that there was, so the, you are, even have different people with different kind of scales on untruth and white lies. Why don't we, uh, um, and I'll deal with lies one day, okay, from this pulpit. We'll deal with lies one day. We'll look at um, uh, uh, Joshua, was it Rahab? Was it Rahab? Yeah, Rahab uh, uh, who told a white lie to her people so, and so on. We'll look at that another day, right? But as we go forward, we're going to look at some of these contentious, disputed issues and see how Paul 
in the in the wisdom of the holy spirit navigated the church into it so let's look at this right romans 12 13 14 15 shows us this whole span i'm going to show it to you in 12 different very quick movements okay 12 very quick movements paul as the centerpiece talks about why we should love one another it's important to love one another that's the that's a heart that's the core of everything you're going to see uh, flowing from this is to love others well okay and then it truly begins in 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 romans 12 he don't click we're on this slide, okay? That he says, we should actually have a sober judgment of ourselves first. And then we should aspire to outdo one another in showing honour to one another. That's very important. And it's also very important for us to have a mindset where we, str where we strive to live peaceably with each other. You want to say you love one another? You must start this way. And then, welcome welcome what paul calls the weak in faith we're going to go into that a little bit later about what actually is the weak in faith and then remember don't judge each other don't stumble each other don't police each other wow really i cannot police you mean i come to church i cannot police other people cannot really where in the bible i show you later okay and why why shouldn't you judge each other why shouldn't you look at what each other is doing how you dress how you eat and then make all this kind of like you know impose all these things on each other because paul says each person will answer to god themselves they will be accountable to god for the line they hold so don't turn liberty issues by say liberty issues means issues where you god has given you some freedom to decide don't turn liberty issues into battlegrounds to fight about and that includes some of our covid sops as well christians please don't fight with each other about vaccination and and, and about wearing face masks and about uh, uh, how many meters you want to stand for as far as no one's harming you personally and they want to do their own life they do them and you do you paul is saying don't turn liberty issues into battlegrounds now if someone out there is is doing something that harms other people then they need to love each other and then the duty to love one another and and to yield some of your rights for the sake of each other comes into play we'll look at that today but as much as possible and paul will talk through this let your faith govern your parameters Remember, disputed, secondary issues. Please your neighbour. Don't live just to please yourself, but live for the sake of other people. That's very challenging because our culture is all about me living for myself, making decisions that are for myself and for my own good. Um, and then the other people's considerations are only in play once all of my own rights and needs have been met and satisfied. Then I jaga other people. And Paul is saying, if you're a neighbour and you want to love others well, that you might need to have a second thought about that and then he says again repeating what he said earlier live in harmony with 
all because the chief goal is when all of us in our diversity in our what looks like an impossible mix of people to live well together because they learn how to love from God himself can actually come together praise God together love God together be a force in the world for good and God together God is glorified and that is the chief goal that is the end that we are all working towards whenever we say we want to love each other well that my friends is a primer and kind of like a summary on the whole sermon i've given it away to you already if you want to log off now uh, you can already no i'm kidding don't okay um but we start we start with loving one another right and paul phrases it this way next slide we're gonna we're gonna burn through the slides really fast today okay yeah love one another click let's go romans 13 let no debt remain outstanding so in other words pay out all your debts okay pay all your debts except for one debt that you constantly want to be indebted to other people with and this is the debt to love one another always owe, owe a hutang to kasih somebody right a, a debt to love somebody for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law wait i thought the law is like you know 10 commandments and then like 100 600 over bylaws you know what love others fulfill law already yeah. and then he says the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not commit murder you should don't steal lah. don't covet other people's uh, oxen and wife and house and, and husbands all these things don't all these things okay whatever others whatever other command there may be in other words all of it is summed up in one love your neighbor as yourself love does no harm to a neighbor and when you see this line you're gonna say oh it's obvious what of course why would i harm my neighbor isn't it not very difficult because i don't plan to march over to my neighbor's house with a kitchen knife and to stab the fella maybe you do don't okay if you, if you do don't if you if you have those thoughts about your neighbor's dog also don't okay um or whatever but you may say it's so easy i just have to don't harm my neighbor but you know what as paul draws the line you're going to realize that hey actually you know there are some there are some things that i may already be doing that might be harming my neighbor and i'm not talking about your next door neighbor i'm talking about each other okay each other therefore love is the fulfillment of the law so the immediate call the central call is to love your neighbors and not to do harm to them and so let's go let's move on right love one another but you know what sometimes he says that you may not want to go and like kill your neighbor you may not want to go and like you know do real harmful things to, to them but sometimes we think that we have uh, we are cleverer than them how many of you you think you're cleverer than your neighbor yeah yeah okay sometimes when we think we are cleverer than them and when we think we got life figured out better than them and we know how to live life better than them and when we learn how to when we know how to do everything you know we've got wisdom and uh, and, and, and knowledge that far exceeds them paul says this to us for by the grace given me i say to every one of you every one of you not just the smug ones every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought okay that's quite humbling 
He's saying that don't think you're so pandai. Okay? Essentially, he's saying don't overestimate how clever you are. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, my friends. It's very humbling for the Bible to say, friend, have a sober estimation of yourself, right? It's very humbling, but, but over many years, the Lord has been teaching me to have a sober estimation of myself, and I'm sure it's been, it's been happening for you as well, and He does that through reminding us of all the mistakes and all the stupid things we have done, and He says, look, that was you, that was you. So don't, don't think you're, you, you are always right because you have been wrong many times in the past, and I go, ah, okay, okay. Remember last week, we said that the kingdom of God is about having entering through a humble spirit, through humility, we enter the kingdom of God. This, Romans 12, is another picture of what it means like, don't overinflate how clever you are, but in humility, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. In other words, as God shapes you and grows faith in you, esteem your own views that way. And I think that's very important because you also need to look across at your fellow Christian brothers and say that God is also growing them and God has also given them wisdom. And so I'm not the only clever one. In fact, I, I'm not the only humbled one. God is causing all of us to have the same heart. Let's move on. Let's move on. Right? Because after this, Paul encourages us to outdo one another in showing honour. So maybe this has already happened for you during Chinese New Year when you go out to a restaurant to makan and you've got at least two um, alpha family members in the same at the same table and as soon as the dinner is finished both of them go with their credit cards to the to, to the to the payment counter and they go no la no la paise I will pay and then the other guy goes no 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 I will pay and you're like you're like stabbing your credit card at the poor at the poor waiter and he's like, uh, I don't know which card to take. Can you guys settle yourselves before you come to me? And like, no, 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 take this one, take this one. And usually, um, usually at some point, one of them will triumph. Their credit card lands, you know, inside, you know, and then these days it's even quicker, right? Someone will go and like quickly and like pay over touch and go or something like that. Now, that is the kind of outdoing each other to show honor that we are familiar with right that, that that's but you know what it's not as is it's not as trivial as that it's kind of trivial right okay but it's not it's not as trivial as that paul is saying let love be genuine and what does genuine love look like abhor what is evil hate what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly sisterly affection okay the word is philadelphia it's actually not gendered okay but this translation has it in a gendered way but um love one another with philadelphia with friendly love and outdo one another in showing honor the word honor here in the greek it means it means time. I think it's pronounced time. It's not time, okay? So it's got nothing to do with, with temporal meaning, okay? What it means is outdo one another in showing that they are valuable and precious. That's what it means. Outdo one another to show that they are valuable and precious. And so can you imagine what our world would look like if everyone was constantly trying to do their best 
to outvalue and over uh, uh, um, uh, cost uh, to treat each other as most precious and most worthy and most honorable, you know, and of most dignity, you know. Um, can, can you imagine what our world would look like if we all, if we all acted in accordance with this word? It would be so different. Now you might say that if I do good lah for other people, but if they don't do bad for me, leh, then how, right? And this is. I, I suppose vaccination is like that as well, right? Like uh, if I do good for other people, but if they don't do back for me, how, right? But we all still do it, right? It's the same. It's not just that. It's like it's not taking, it's not stealing your the, the, someone's uh, uh, handphone at the at the kopitiam when he leaves it on the table. If you if you don't do it for them, good. But what if someone steals from you? But we all do it. It's part of being decent human beings. Is that you don't finish the calculation of what. I would do if other people don't do it back, right? We don't. Because what God is teaching us, if you really want to love each other, you will. Whether others do it back to you or not. The Chinese New Year sometimes is a, is a tense time because you feel that other people don't honour you and you walk into a family space and they're like, oh, why you don't have boyfriend yet? Why you're so skinny? Why you don't eat, is it? Why you're so fat? You eat too much, is it? And all of these things, right? Like, Cannot finish one, right? And he's like, wow, I show you so much respect. I call you nice, nice. And then you have all these words for me. And my friends, do you wait until people treat you well before you act, act in accordance with scripture to them? No, ma. Why, right? You know why? Because when you show them honour, you are showing honour to the Jesus who asks you to show them honour. Right? And, and you will see later this year, he says that, that whatever you did to the least among you, you did it to me. When you fed them, you fed me. When you treated them nicely, you treated me. When you said, go have a try to them, even though every year they call you fat and they ask you why you don't have boyfriend, okay? And even though you said, go have a try nicely to them, you said it to me, says Jesus. Not even to them. You said it to me and I received it, says Jesus. And so he is saying, outdo one another in showing love and honour and making them feel valuable. Next slide, right? Because we're going to go from this, then he says, now that you've known all this, live peaceably with all. And he says this in this way, as much as you can control it. Right? Let's look at the scripture. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. So Paul is not unrealistic. He understands that there are times when the, when the problem of keeping peace is no longer in your hands and it comes and intrudes and invades and disrupts your world and he's not saying that you must live in a state of perpetual equilibrium and peace. He's not saying that. He understands that there'll be days when either your environment you know, or, or, or the people around you are going to come in and disrupt that peace. But he's saying as far as it depends on you. And so we hear this catchphrase sometimes, you can't control how other people treat you, but you can control how you respond to how they treat you. You can control how you respond. You can control uh, what you say back to them. You can control all of these things. And Paul is saying, now you do your part. 
you do you. And then you say, what about them? They never do it. They never do it. And God says, I'm working on them too. And if they look over at you and they say, what about them? They don't do it. And then nobody will do it. And this whole Christian community breaks down. It falls apart like a house of cards. There's no strong foundations at all. And the slightest wind, a gust of offense caused all of us to crumble. Sungai Bulo Church, are we like that? No, right? We're going to plant our foundations of true, genuine, relational uh, foundations deep, deep into the ground. And how do we do that? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, okay? So I know for some of you, it's easier on the outside because you are naturally non-confrontational. I'm non-confrontational, but it doesn't mean just because I'm non-confrontational and someone out there likes to add the issues immediately on the spot and I call them, wow, why are you such a fighter cock? And then they say, you bottle everything up. And you got to fight a cock and to bottle everything up together. And it doesn't mean that this one is more peaceful. It just means that this one doesn't show the storms that are inside their hearts. I'm like that, okay? And I know people who immediately air everything and it appears that they are always looking for a fight. But it's not. They just want to clear everything, right? So as far as possible, live in peace. Every personality type has to hear this, okay? Let's move on. Let's move on. And then he says this. Welcome. Now that you know you need to love one another, you have a sober judgment of yourself, you don't think too highly about yourself, you're starting to learn how to value each other and outdo one another in showing honour and value to one another. You're learning to live peaceably with one another. Now, throw open your doors and welcome. Right? Let's look at the text. Welcome, now we're in Romans 14. Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. And I want to home in on this bit first. Welcome anyone who is weak. Now, what he's saying is this. When you welcome someone, you welcome all of them. Okay? You don't just welcome a part of them. You welcome all of them. In fact, you welcome the person. You don't welcome the good parts or the, or the friendly attributes of that person. You don't select um, what uh, uh, um, uh, facets of a person to welcome. When you welcome someone, you welcome all of them. What and all, right? With, all, with a full package. And so, he says, welcome anyone. And he's saying this because sometimes people don't want to welcome people whom they don't like. And he's saying, welcome anyone who is weak in the faith. He's telling people who are stronger in the faith. Okay, and in a moment, we're going to look at this. Okay, and then he says this. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, this is not a slight on vegetarians, okay? Um, I am telling you all this because that was me, right? What he's trying to say is this, that your faith is oriented in such a way that tells you you can eat anything. There's no restriction. Tada haram, tada halal, semua boleh makan. Okay? Okay? Then one person thinks that way. Another person thinks that no, there are restrictions. Some things you should eat. Some things you shouldn't eat. The Bible mentioned this is this thing in Old Testament. I'm going to choose not to eat them, right? Um, um, but I know other Christians who do, you know, uh, uh, I know whatever, right? And then Paul is saying that you may think this, person, this person's faith is weak. And so you call them someone who has weak faith. Now I'm telling you, even if you think that their faith is weak, 
and they start to look at all these things and they say, oh, cannot, cannot, if not bad, if not this, if not God won't bless or whatever, then he's, Paul is saying, welcome them nonetheless. And you know what? Don't just welcome them. What welcome them means is welcome them in such a way where you don't argue over it. You don't argue over your discrepancies. You don't argue over those disputed matters. And on this note, I'm going to go into the, the, the section of today's sermon, which is the heart, the crux, the most, the most packed part of it, which is, he says, don't judge each other and don't stumble or trip up each other with all that bickering over all these disputed matters. And if I may add, and you can hear it in the tone that Paul is speaking with, he says, essentially, don't go around policing each other on what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, how they eat, what they do on their skin, and so on and so forth. Don't do that. Really? I thought church is all about that, right? I thought church is all about one group of people telling another people, you should do this, you cannot do that, you know, all these kind of things. And then the other group saying back, oh, why you're all like that? I thought that's church. And maybe you, you grew up in a different kind of church. And maybe we if we're not careful, can end up being that kind of church as well. Now, I don't want us to become that kind of church. I want us to be a church that learns to do Romans 14 very well. And so, we got to read Romans 14 before we know how to do it well. Verse 3 of Romans 14 says, One who eats, remember those two fellas, right? One person who says, can eat anything. The other person says, a lot of things, some things cannot eat, okay? The one who eats must not look down on the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat meat must not judge the one who does. Because God has accepted him. And God has accepted him too. And God has accepted the both of them. And so God is saying, if I've accepted both of them, why are you rejecting each other? Really? Yeah, it's there in, in, in verse 3. Unless you can find a different way to interpret it, a more oblique way to interpret it, which, you know, then you have to deal with verse 5. One person judges one day to be more important than other days. Someone else judges every day to be the same. So in the context of the church in Rome, it would have been uh, uh, one group of people uh, saying that, oh, you must retain the Jewish feast. Right, um, you need to to continue to do all of the all of the old feasts that you that we saw in the Old Testament. Another group is saying that no, even if you're um, firstly we are not Jews, and so we are not going to celebrate this. Another group is saying that we are Jews, but we no longer have to celebrate them because now we are in Christ, right? And then they start going like rah. And Paul is saying, one person judges one day to be more important. Now, in today's day and age, we still have that, even in the church. Even in the church. Um, there are some denominations that say that, no, you must take your Sabbath on Shabbat, on Sabato, on Saturday, right? And then some others will say, no, you know, Sunday is the day of the risen Lord. That's when we do church. And then we end up going like, ah, you know? And, hey, hello, hello. Paul is saying, everybody cool, cool off. Someone else judges every day to be the same, but let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, it looks like the extent of this is Paul is being a referee and he's pulling away two guys who are going to tear each other apart and he's just kind of like yellow carding each other and say, cool off, right? But it is much deeper than that. 
I don't know if you see this. I don't know if you realize what Paul is doing. He is doing something so radical. It's so radical. Look at the last line that I've highlighted in blue. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. And let that sink in. Because Paul is essentially teaching us that both of you can and should go on fully convinced that you are right and that's okay. And we think, wait a minute, how can my right be the same as your right when we write the same thing, wrong, different things? He said, oh my goodness, this is dangerous. This is being postmodern. You're saying that, that my truth is the same as your truth. Uh, uh, um, uh, my truth uh, can coexist with your truth, but they don't agree. And both can exist. At the, oh, this is a problem. This, then why, why I can't say that um, um, my reality is just as valid as your reality, and then suddenly there's no absolute truth. Oh, Pastor Ferks, this is undoing absolute truth. This is not, okay, so it's not, okay? So it's not. So remember what I said from the start. This is not about core issues. This is not about primary issues. So it's a good time to remember. This is about loving each other over secondary issues. Okay, so we cool, right? We can all, everybody take a breath. breath. Paul is not being postmodern relativist, okay? Uh, if you don't understand what that means, Paul is not saying that two things that don't agree can coexist. What he's really saying is, you go and be fully convinced and don't fight with him, okay? He's saying, you go and be fully convinced and don't fight with him. And you go like, why can like that? Why can like that is because neither is important. Neither is important. Whether you can do a piercing on your nose or not is not important. The kingdom of God is not about that. Whether you can, you, you can, you must eat vegetarian on first day or 15th day is not about that. Whether, wh whether you, can, you can take a bit of alcohol and not get drunk because the Bible talks about drunkenness, not about drinking alcohol, it's not about that. Whether you can do a tattoo that says, Jesus, my homie, right? It's not about that. Jesus says the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking and observing of days and all that. It's about how you love each other. And so let's look at the table that I've shown, that I've prepared to show you. One person, Kononia, strong in the faith, has, takes greater liberties and lives a much more permissive, permissive life because in their mind, I, can, I don't have to be afraid, must do this so many things. I can do these things, it's fine. I can eat anything and there's no restriction. I can observe no, no days and it's okay. And then another group whom, who are called the weak ones say no, they live with greater compliance. They live with more restrictions. And then you've got one side that says I'll eat anything, all days are alike. You know, and so on and so forth, I've gone through that. But the crux is, don't judge them, strong ones, and weak ones, don't judge them. And you don't, let me replace the word, permissive ones, don't judge the ones with more restrictions. And restrictive ones, don't judge the ones with more permission. And both of you, by the way, don't keep tripping over each other and fighting about this. And don't go into your church and start policing each other and say, girl, why you wear like that? You make all the boys uh, last after you. Because that's not 
That's not, that was not your call. That's her call. That, she, that she's going to stand before God. And, and otherwise, you can say, boy, why you wear pants so tight? You make all the girls faint. <laughs> and that's not your call. We're not called to police each other. We're not called to judge each other and make all these comments to each other. He says, it's not about what you wear, your tight pants or loose pants. It's not about that. It's about how you love one another. He's trying to say, how you're going to love one another is going to be what I'm watching for. Now oh, that's, that's mind-blowing for me. As I prepared today's sermon, I could not not prepare today's sermon because I saw this in the scriptures. And I know this is a super important part of what kingdom life means. And so I wish I didn't have to preach this because you know, it'd be a lot easier to preach about forgiving others and being forgiven. Like, like that's way more clear-cut. It's like, really? You know, I can't go up to people and tell them, oh, you know, don't, don't do this thing, it's stumbling me. No, they need to be convinced that they can't do that because it's stumbling you. Not me. It's not my place to tell. You see, where, you, you see how it hangs. Let's look at the next slide. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Now, here's the crux. The responsibility is yours to not trip someone up. The responsibility is yours. It's not mine to tell you not to trip someone up. It's your responsibility to not trip someone up. Because once I start policing all of us, then I am violating the verse at the top that says, don't think so highly of your own standards because you may have gotten it too tight. And you may have set a standard way too oppressive for your flock. And that's what happened in Jesus' day. They lived in and among a religious elite that set the moral standard so high, so oppressively high, and went about policing everybody, saying that you did not say X, Y, Z prayer, X, Y, Z times, and you do not dress in such and such a way, and you eat with such and such people, and you speak in such and such a way, and all of your customs are wrong, and we are the only right ones. And Jesus said throughout his earthly ministry, no, not that kind of living. That's not Christian living. But let them kautim themselves. Let's go to the next slide. I'm going to breeze through the rest. Let them kautim themselves. Each will answer to God for themselves. You don't believe me? Look at the text. Next slide. Right? Who are you to judge another's household servants? Before his own Lord. Big L, eh? Big L. So you're not talking about the slave master here. Before his own Lord, he stands or falls. And he will stand because the Lord, Elohim, make, is able to make him stand. Jehovah is able to make him stand. So it's not our place okay, to judge someone else because they're standing before God for themselves. But you, who, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will praise, uh, will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself 
or herself, again, it's not meant to be gendered, to God. Every one of us will have to stand before God and answer for the parameters we kept. And so, God is saying, through the Apostle Paul, you count him your own parameters. And then I will tell you whether you've been faithful. Let's look at the next slide. Don't turn liberty issues into battlegrounds, but let your faith govern your own parameters. Really? Really? Christianity is like this? Let's look at the verse. Let's look at the verse. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. What work of God? God's work in your brother and sister. So if you trip them up and you cause them to say church is, is a horrible place to be in, I no longer want to go to church. Church is terrible because all the church uncles like Pastor Fergus is always policing me and saying not nice things to me. I don't want to go this and I trip them up over the issue of what they eat, what they drink, what they wear, what they whatever, right? Do not, for the sake of all these things, destroy God's work on them. And I can tell you this, I know some of you, you spend a long time working on someone, a friend, a loved one, you have showed, put your best foot forward on behalf of the kingdom, you've nurtured that, that, that person's faith or would-be faith, you've shared Jesus to them, you've been like the beacon of light to them and you bring them to church and one person is super offensive to them and then they immediately recoil. Ever happened to you before? Or maybe you were that one person and you regret it until today. That you, were, that you were not nice or you were not welcoming and you were judgy. And until today, that person has not come back to church and you, that weighs on you. That's a different day's problem. But that's verse 20 at work. Do not, for the sake of all these things, destroy God's work. Everything is indeed clean, but, if it, is, but it is wrong to make anyone... Uh, let's read this properly. It is wrong for anyone to make another stumble. It is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats and all these things. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes you. So verse 21 has been used to go around policing people saying, girl, you shouldn't dress like this. You know, because 21 says it's good for you to yield your rights for the sake of them. But who's going to them and saying, you got to yield your rights too for the sake of her so that she can dress with liberty and not every day have to worry about what your eyes are doing. How, how don't you know that this is not a mutual relationship where God's call for us to love one another well is mutual and both parties are called and challenged with their own time with the Lord in heaven to know how much to yield and how much not to yield. It's between you and God. Again, he's, you saw it. Keep your parameters according to your faith and you will answer to God for it. Essentially, he's saying, but do you love your neighbour? If you love your neighbour, you will not put that burden on her. Such that a little, little, little bit already you complain like you cannot control your eyes. I'm just using that as one example. You could have so many examples. So many examples. And so as we learn to do church together, we must navigate this thing well. And it begins with the way we began and it, it progresses to something like this. Next slide. The faith that you have, keep it between yourself and God. Now, there'll be another day where I will talk about how the Christian faith is not a private thing, 
okay? And it has a communal aspect. And part of that communal aspect is that you yield some of the things to a private space, like some of your own personal, personally drawn lines. And then out of a love for one another, you bless one another. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment even on himself. So in other words, if, if you're going to have, let's say, a cup of wine, a glass of wine, and you're going to be like, oh, is it right? Is it wrong? Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it right? Is it wrong? And then you drink and you feel so guilty. Oh, I'm sure it's wrong. I'm sure it's wrong. And then Jesus, Paul is saying to you, verse 23, whoever has doubt is condemned if he eats, or in this case, drink, because they are eating and drinking is not from faith. But whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So in other words, he's saying that, look, this glass of wine is a disputed and, and secondary issue. So if you're going to drink it, Drink it as unto the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for the grape on the vine and I thank you for Christ who died for my sins. And then drink it and say, thank you, God. And if you're going to say, Lord, I'm going to abstain from this. Lord, I'm going to abstain from this because if I have one glass, I may have two. And if I have two, I may have five. And then I'm no longer stewarding my body well because I'm allowing something else to actively alter how I am and that's not good stewardship. And so Lord, I abstain in joy to the Lord. And God says, good and good. Both of you did this right. You drank to the Lord, good on you. You abstain as unto the Lord, good on you. And you're going to love each other. And the one who drank as unto the Lord says to the other, good on you. And likewise, I don't judge you. And that's Christian relationship. That's Christian community. That's what it looks like to love each other well. Next slide. Therefore, if you're going to take liberties, take it as unto the Lord. If you're going to practice restrictions, practice them unto, as unto the Lord. And we move on, right? We move on. Please, your neighbor, say, no way. I live for myself. I live for myself first, myself first. Jaga sendiri dulu, right? It's like aeroplane, wear the mask for yourself first. And then wear the mask for someone else. And, and, and he says, no, normal days you're not in an, on an aeroplane. It looks like this. Next slide. He says this. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear weakness, to bear the weakness of those, those without strength and not to please ourselves, each one of us to please his neighbor for his good or her good to build them up. For even Christ, that's the verse, even Christ did not please himself. And we remember Romans 13, love your neighbor as yourself. And I suggested to you, you might find it not so easy to love your neighbor. You want to know why? Because sometimes to love your neighbor comes at your own, your own expense. You need to yield and to some of your own rights. Like, I can do whatever I like. Alcoholic in the room. I want to drink, it's fine. Pastor Fergus told me it's a disputed item. It's a, it, it's a secondary issue. Alcoholic in the room. Hey, I'm going to drink. Um, that's not loving. Yield that right. Do you have the right? Yes, you have that right. Of course you have that right. But that's not loving. And if it's not loving, don't do it. That's what Paul is saying. And we end this way. We go to the end of this whole section and we see, let's see in the next slide, and, and where Paul is saying, 
when you yield your rights to yourself, you live as if to, to please other people. And we'll talk about people pleasing another day. That's a whole different thing, right? But you live as if for the joy and salvation and strength of someone else. Then you learn to live in harmony with everyone because the chief goal is to glorify God together. Glorify God together. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the whole crux. When all of us as uh, as, a, as a collective of people so diverse for all intents and purposes, we should not be friends because we are all so different. We should be fighting each other and killing each other in church. But when we can come together in Christian love, and when I say Christian love, I really mean you yield to some of your own preferences for the sake of others, not because some pastor or church uncle policed you, not because of that, but because of your own walk with God, then my friends, it gives God glory. As the communion emblems are being distributed, I want us to remember that that, that loaf of bread was one loaf and then it got broken and Jesus tore and broke the bread and distributed that bread. And that, what that really means is that every single one of us actually are one and we are different parts of one. And so my friends, my dear church, what does it mean for us to love one another? It's to remember that we are one. And as we come together with all our diversity and all of our, all of our awkward values clashing with one another, God is saying, my friends, my friends, you are one like the loaf was one. And I died so that y'all can be, I got broken so that y'all can be united. Because the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Broken means that his body was torn and rent. For what purpose? For the uniting of the body. So that one body broken causes the, uh, the rest of the body to be made whole. So church, let us take a moment. Let us pray together. Father, we ask. We ask first for your forgiveness, Lord, if we have ever wounded each other, hurt each other, offended one another, and cause a tear and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a fracture in the body of Christ. Forgive us. Forgive us. If I have been guilty of it, forgive me. And if I have been guilty of causing people to be turned off by church, forgive me. If I have been, if I have represented you poorly, oh my Lord, forgive me. Today, I hold this bread, this piece of bread, as a representation, a reminder that you died to forgive me. And because of you, I am made whole. Thank you for your body broken. Let us partake of this bread together. After supper had ended, he took the cup. 
And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do it. It meaning gather like this, partake of this cup like this. As often as you do this, partake of this cup in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you that on the cross your blood ran and every drop of blood was spilled to forgive us so that the church can forgive each other, Christians can forgive one another, those who have never come to know you can come under the covering one day of your blood which cleanses sin, cleanses us and them from all sin and, and, and build us out from that into a family of faith. Father, as we part hold this cup and partake of it, we remember the Lord's death and resurrection which gives us eternal life. Church, let us partake of this cup together. Oh, Father, Lord God, as we sing this song, draw me close to you. Remind us, Lord God, that when we truly love you well, we also love others well. We love your people, your creation well. And so when we say, Lord, draw me close to you, O oh Lord, it's, our, it's also our way of saying, Lord, draw me close to your body, to your people, and teach me to love each other well, as you, as you always remind us to love you well. So Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this day. Churches, as any one of you, you want prayer, you can still type into the chat, say pray, and someone will pray with you. But if not, then let me close. Father, we thank you for this time together for us to love you and worship you and praise you. Now may the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with one another be with us until we meet again and all of God's people shout aloud, Amen. Amen. Let's praise God together. Come on, church. Let's give God praise.